ready to explore the extraordinary world of tech. Welcome to the XTech Podcast, where we connect you with the sharpest minds and leading voices in the global tech community. Join us as we cut through the complexity to give you a clear picture of the ideas, innovations, and insight that are shaping our future. Hello, and welcome to the X Tech Podcast by Fox Agency. I'm your host, Debbie Forster, MBE. I'm the CEO at the Tech Talent Charter and an advocate and campaigner for diversity, inclusion, and innovation in the tech industry. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Ahmed Abdullah, founder and CEO of Digicon. Ahmed, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So, Ahmed, you know, for our listeners, we, we love to hear about what you do, but it's also really useful for us to understand how you got here. You know, some of us get into tech, we're born with a laptop in the hand, other of us have a more squiggly career to get here. How did you make your way into tech? Yeah, I mean, so I think it's been uh, quite an interesting journey. Initially, I think when I was around 10 or 11 years old, me and my brother, uh, built our first computer together, um, buying all the parts from a computer fair and then putting it all together. And um, it was something that was really new at the time and something that was exciting. But then obviously as I carried on with my education and secondary school and things like that, you know, the, the IT and computer industry was, I'd say, really immature at that time. So, you know, I went into study uh, within the healthcare industry Um thinking, you know, that could be a really great career path. But then as my career advanced, I, I, I saw the advancement in technology and I thought it could be a good opportunity to combine the two and and and, and really focus on how tech can really help uh, healthcare be better for everyone. Absolutely. So so you were bored with that laptop in hand, but it's I think like a lot of people on the on the um, in our audience would say it is that realizing that what you play with could also be something that that becomes your work. Uh, now, in going into the pharmaceutical and medicine, and you know, in probably what felt like a safe career, I think I read somewhere that you also would have described yourself as a bit of a rebel. Yeah, I think I'm only somebody who's wasn't really happy with the status quo and how things were were being done when you know there are clear opportunities for improvement or change and i think i've always been like that um always challenging things trying to find trying to find better way to do things and you know often a lot of established entities or organizations work in very you know structured or archaic ways and i'm somebody who tries to you know try and move beyond that where possible Fantastic. So you are that rebel with a cause. And and that's refreshing is too, because we, we do know a lot within, you know, the pharmaceutical industry is about let's, how do we make more money? Mm-hmm. Whereas it feels like you set about in the space to to fix some problems rather than just to make some money. Yeah, I mean, uh, so, you know, the background to that is, uh, you know, I, I trained to be a health economist. Um, and really what the main core of that let's say, career or vocation is helping healthcare organizations understand what they can and can't afford with their limited budgets. Um, Initially working around high-cost therapies like cancer drugs and things like that and supporting Mm -hmm. the NHS, understand what they could really pay for, uh, for for their citizens. Um, And 
you know that's something that I thought was 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 really interesting and really exciting, and, and this was an area of healthcare that I saw you know was was really impactful. Um, so you know I decided to really focus on that, continue my career in that area, and then move to Roche in, in Switzerland and help get some of these high cost drugs into different markets around the world. Lovely, and I love that social undercurrent for what you do. Now, if, if I were to look up Digifarm on the internet, it says that you're focusing on value-based healthcare. Now, for somebody who's not in the field, can you tell me what that means? Yeah, so, I mean, working in that health economic space, we often saw that many healthcare organizations couldn't even afford to pay for these, you know, newer innovative drugs. And, um, and it is mainly due to budget restrictions. And some of it was driven by the fact that even when patients did not benefit from these treatments or these treatments failed, that, you know, health systems, whether they were, you know, paid for by governmental bodies like we have in the UK or insurance companies, that, you know, money was essentially going down the drain and it left healthcare organizations and difficulties to continue paying for, you know, some of these new and higher cost therapies. And around that time, in, in, in I'd say the late 2017, 2016, there really became a push towards value-based healthcare within, the, you know, the healthcare ecosystem. And that's essentially paying for healthcare or rewarding healthcare activities that work and provide benefits for the patient and combining that with you know what I was doing in my day job it just sounded like you know this was definitely the right thing to do um, but at the same time there were no let's say systems or solutions that were dedicated to help healthcare systems employ this you know new business model and that's where you know Digifarm came about. And that, I mean, it, it sounds so practical doesn't it and you know what we want to believe would be happening with healthcare is what works is what gets paid. That's a really big problem space. So so where did you start setting out your stall as Digifarm? What were you focusing on in that space? Yeah, I mean, we, we took it back to basics, really, just helping these healthcare organizations, you know, pay for performance and looking at, you know, some of the requirements to do this. Uh, we realized it was a type of business model where it was driven by data, rather than, you know, volumes, what we'd seen in the past. And when you're talking about a, a let's say, a payment model where all the, you know, contracting parties, let's call them, were incentivized to present the data in a certain way, there was an opportunity for a third party to come and then be that trusted data processor on behalf of all of them. I mean, just taking the example of, for example, a, a health system, they would, for example, get a discount on the on the drug or therapy if they say it doesn't work, and if the, you know, manufacturer or pharmaceutical company was responsible for that data processing, they'd want to say things do work. Um, so we took the approach of, you know, taking that a step further from the technology point of view as well. It wasn't the fact that we're, you know, just a independent third party. The technology stack. Uh, such as using a blockchain and smart contracting means that once the parameters for these agreements are set up, we as an organization also step away and, and let the let you know the technology do the work. So okay, so interesting to choose to go into use blockchain to do that. Was that your first choice? 
Yeah, it was. I mean, we I did consider, you know, different technology stacks, but this, uh, you know, blockchain and smart contracting really made sense. Um, in the healthcare and pharma industry, there's a lot of confidentiality around pricing, especially some of these, you know, higher higher cost therapies or more innovative drugs and that was something you know the additional security and confidentiality and, and privacy aspects of, of of blockchains was was something that was really exciting but then the automation piece of smart contracting we hadn't seen anything like that and and, and during 2017 when we started that was when ethereum uh, really started getting a lot of traction with their smart contracting solutions. And that was, you know, one of the first systems that we deployed on. So it was one of the fir- one of the first choices. So in having to move perhaps across different um, platforms, what did you learn? You know, is there anything that you know now you wish you knew then? It's um, <laughs> a good question. That was that was the laugh of pain. That was that was the that was the laugh of oh it hurt at the time, but I've learned to laugh about it now. I think at the time it was the right choice, but in the case of Digifarm, we've actually actively migrated from you know different ecosystems and environments to to better and more suitable solutions as we've moved along. So we started with Ethereum and then we moved to a uh, enterprise level blockchain called Corda, which enabled us to add legal pros for these uh, with these smart contracts um, as that was you know some of the feedback that we got from from end users, especially you know pharmaceutical companies. Um, and then more recently again we've transferred to something uh, a lot more flexible. Um, and that's just for the contracting piece. And, you know, we also have an adjacent digital currency, which we're going to be using for patient engagement and, and, and user rewards for our DigiHealth portals. And with those, again, we've also, you know, conducted already two migrations. Again, um, you know, trying to find the best available solution. And I think we're, we're not shy to do that at all. And that's important. I think a lot of time and energy can go to try and find the perfect solution where it sounds like for you, success has been knowing when to change your solution. And I'm hearing you're listening to the customer. You know, what other things tell you it's time to pack the bags, we're moving house? Yeah, I mean, so with the customer, we focus on their experience and, and, and you know, the, the problems it solves for them and their needs. But from the tech technological aspect, we, we, we very much make those decisions ourselves. And, and, and if we feel something is the right move and or we feel a certain technology stack is outdated, um, we'll move, you know, pretty rapidly, to be honest. We don't want to be left behind, just like we've seen, you know, healthcare systems stagnating, you know, in, in some regions, even in developed countries like the UK, you see that they've been using, you know, some of these legacy systems for 20, 30 years. And, uh, you know, it, it, we see the obvious problems and, and, and that's something that we really want to avoid. We, we don't want to be stuck in that same box as them. And that's an interesting mindset to adopt. So I, you know, I like that you're hearing that combination. It is absolutely listening to the customer because they understand the problems, but then you bring your expertise of solutions. But there's also a mindset that I think is powerful. And it is that packing light that, that, you know, rather than get yourself so embedded with something that you are then risking. 
that obsolescence and but to be ready to move and to have the systems the approaches the mindsets that allows that migration across is important if you're looking at any emerging technology at the moment because the the best technology she says was strong inverted commas you know the best technology today is is tomorrow's dinosaur and so building in that way of, of moving across and so it's interesting that you talked also about the patient side, you know, so the, the the supply you've been working on, and a lot of people do that, but I like that you are looking at both supply and demand, and those aren't necessarily the same tools or the same solutions. So talk to me about what you are doing on the customer yeah. side, the patient side. So, you know, we have the, the B2B contracting side, which helps healthcare organizations pay for these things based on how well they work. But in terms of actually evaluating how well things work, a lot of input is actually required directly from the patient. And if I just give a simple example of, you know, a pain therapy or a migraine drug, only a patient can tell us whether this works or not. Um, so we've developed a patient engagement ecosystem called DigiHealth where patients can not only, you know, uh, provide feedback uh, about what they are receiving and, and, and you know, the, the, the quality of service and, and the experience they've had, but also then expanding upon that and, and building on our credibility with working with some of these, you know, large healthcare organizations to empower them and enable them to hold their own medical data benefit financially from this data as well, um, which currently is being done behind their backs and, you know, a lot of the time without them knowing, um, being able to access, you know, different digital health solutions, you know, things like screening, uh, you know, epigenetic profiling as well, which can tell you how your, your health is changing over time based on your behavior and exercise and activity. I think that's something that also excites us. If, if we're going to fix healthcare, and, and fix it for good. I think, you know, patients really need to be partners in this uh, uh, and not just, you know, end users or end customers. And that's, there's two bits of what you said that I, I hear more and more often emerging from the wisest in our space. And that is taking our users on a journey and our view of our users on a journey. That, that you know, moving them from being passive users into actually being partners in the process. And what I like is then you take that the next dimension. They're not just a set of individuals. How can we turn this into an ecosystem? I think in the same way that we've talked about a lot of companies looking and realizing the gold mine they have in their data, there's also within tech more and more people waking up and realizing what a gold mine they have in their users as an ecosystem, as a resource, as a partner in that piece. Now, in, in doing that, in going on that journey, is there anything you learned and have learned, again, through that painful things you wish you'd done sooner, better, differently about working with your users that, that the audience could learn from? There's a few things. Um, so in terms of the you know partnering with communities and growing communities and things like this, I think... A lot of the, for example, let's say new founders or organizations of thinking and working in this way, I don't think they appreciate how driven some of these users can be and how they can really act as ambassadors for your ecosystem and, and your growth. And that's something I'd encourage them to uh, really embrace. 
I think that's a, that's a huge opportunity. And one thing I think I've, I've learned and that's also been really interesting is that, you know, a lot of people are very well informed these days. Once something interests them, they have, you know, so many resources available to them. And, and if they're not well informed, how fast they can be informed again is, is something that's, that's really impressive. And I think, you know, organizations should try and use this to their advantage. It changes ventures from having, you know, one or two voices or three, four voices within a team to thousands or millions of voices eventually. And I think that can make all the difference. But it's, it's a mindset difference, isn't it? I remember talking to someone once that said, look, I wanted to have the user voice. I just didn't realize it was going to be so loud and sometimes so grumpy. And it is that, it is that really trying to change our mindset of those voices matter and they have opinions and they may have things that we didn't think about. This is not, this is not just customer satisfaction, which is kind of keep them quiet, keep them, keep them happy, but quiet. It's really listening into those voices because there will be some of those voices who are impatient or angry or have those other ideas. And do we see that as a threat mm. or, or a nuisance or do we see that as powerful insights? No, no, I, I completely agree. Um, I mean, we've taken the approach of having, you know, focus groups with our members you know, directly engaging with them. I mean, you're never going to be able to satisfy all of their requirements. But, you know, if you're able to capture that general need or request from, from them, I think, you know, you, you can satisfy, you know, the, the vast majority. And I think that's the, the best we can do, really. Beyond that, I think it's also useful to give them some sort of skin in the game as well. I mean, in terms of our patient ecosystem, we're going to be sharing 50% of, of, of the profits generated on our digital health marketplace with them directly. So I think wow. having these additional incentives and, you know, ours is driven by digital currency and this, you know, profit sharing as well. I think that those are things that can really, you know, accelerate it from being, you know, a, a, a following to a, a really, you know, strong community. Love it. Okay. So I'm, if I'm sitting in the audience, even if I'm not going into healthcare, I am thinking about when I'm looking at solutions, am I packing light? Am I, am I ready to move when it makes sense, both for our users and for us? I'm, I'm hearing a completely different mindset to how we see our customers and creating that voice and actually going the next step. I mean, I wouldn't, I don't think there's a lot of organizations out there that would say they're giving their users or their customers skin in the game. So that's that's motivating and driving things, which is a completely different thing. Mm -hmm. Really, really useful. Um, okay, well let's let's step back then and let's let's look at the horizon. I'd like to hear from my guests to understand when you look at the horizon, what are you seeing? So Let's start on the negative side of the glass half empty. When you are looking at the horizon, mm -hmm. what's worrying you? Um, so in terms of what's worrying me, I think there's, there's, well, the main thing is obviously, I think, you know, affordability and all this, you know, these economic issues. For us, though, we've turned that into an opportunity, I think. I think that's essentially what Digifarm was built for, to be able to, you know, help healthcare improve even in the hard times. Um, I think that's a, something that our system can do that, that's relatively unique. While that worries me personally, obviously, from a selfish point of view as a business owner, I think that's that's something that is, is more of an opportunity. But it does, I mean, generally for you know the wider public, I, I see a lot of inequalities, 
back to that, you know, rebel mindset. I don't agree with a lot of things that, you know, people in charge are doing. So that's really one of my, uh, you know, one of the things I see as, as, as a big issue globally. And then in terms of, you know, things that excite me and, and things that could be massive opportunities, I see, you know, uh, advancement AI is, is really scary. But again, that's a, a massive opportunity, again, for those who embrace it and really take the time to learn and study it and see how it can help them in their daily life or in their work. Um, and another aspect, I re- I'm really actually excited about, you know, the advancement within the digital currency space as well. We see more and more countries and regions adopting these things. And I think that, again, puts our DigiHealth ecosystem in, in, in good standing. Fantastic. And I like the way you talked about that bringing that rebel insight, that rebel way of thinking into what we do and how we do that. It's important. It's important that we take that wider mindset and bring it into, into our world and into our work in terms of what we do that. Is there anything at the moment that you would say, Ahmed, that you're is there an event, a podcast, a book, some research? Is there anything that's inspiring you? Um, <laughs> I think there's, there's a lot of things that uh, inspire me. I wouldn't say they're linked to any specific podcasts or events or anything like this. Um, to be honest, I think one of my biggest drivers recently has just been exercising and the energy I've been getting out of that. I mean, I've what, four or five months ago, I started exercising every day and I didn't do that before. And, you know, the drive that that's given me has, has been amazing. And that's, if anyone's listening, I'd recommend everybody to do that because it's, uh, you can read all the books in the world and things like this, but you need to get active, get going. And, you know, I think it, it can change lives. It helps us in so many ways, but I think that Getting away from the screen, getting away from that thinking, going out and that physical activity. There's so much research coming out lately mm-hmm. in terms of how our brains work that show that's where the real processing, that's where the real thinking yeah. comes yeah. and that that change of scenario. And then if you add into it the physical being, it, it's it's sort of a, a win-win cycle, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, I think you need – we. we especially us as let's say tech founders we need to get that perspective it's not it's not about this you know 15 inch screen that we have in front of us all the time we also need to understand and embrace that there's a real world out there and the solutions yeah. we develop should go to impacting that side of our lives as well and those great aha moments rarely happen when we're sitting staring at that screen yeah they're actually when we're completely away from the screen and pulling yeah them exactly together. that's when we useful advice it's raining outside for me right now but you're inspiring me after this to go for a walk so listen i mean i really really enjoyed talking to you i appreciate you making the time to to come to share with us your thoughts all the best with digifarm i'm really excited about what you're pioneering here no thanks a lot for the invite um you know really grateful for the opportunity to talk to you guys and um, be happy to come back in a couple of years hopefully when Absolutely. you know we've changed you know a lot of or improved a lot of lives via our solutions fantastic okay so we'd love to receive your comments and thoughts on what you've heard and you can share them with us at fox.agency slash xtech thank you for listening if you're a tech innovator and would like to appear as a guest on the show, email us now at xtech at fox.agency. And finally, thank you to the team of experts at Fox Agency who make this podcast happen. I'm Debbie Forster, and you've been listening to the X Tech Podcast. 
keep exploring the world of tech. Subscribe to our podcast and never miss an episode. To discover more opportunities for global B2B tech brands, visit fox.agency today.